Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Otis Saga, nothing personal word of the day for Thursday, 9-9-21. Otis Saga is the hotel in Cooperstown, New York. That is the place to be once a year. Otis Saga is the hotel in Cooperstown where all of the Hall of Famers stay during Hall of Fame induction weekend. You can't walk one step. You can't even go into the Otis Saga if you're not staying there during Hall of Fame weekend, because everywhere you look, there are Hall of Famers. It's pretty remarkable. I hadn't been to an induction ceremony since 2010. I, of course, didn't go this year. But I wonder whether I will go again when Ichiro gets in in a couple of years. I'm trying to remember when Ichiro last played, because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer five years after he last played. Oh, I was at the game in Tokyo in March of, I guess that's going to be March of... 19 or did he play in March of 20 right before the COVID outbreak? So he's, he did. So he's eligible in 25. So I'm going to go back to Cooperstown in 2025. I hope stay in the Otis saga hotel. But in 2010, when I was there, we took a bunch of people from the Marlins because Andre Dawson was getting into the hall of fame. So I went with Mike kill and Dan Jennings and a bunch of other executives and we rented a house like Airbnb at a house right in the town of Cooperstown. I remember we had to do a, I was training for some race somewhere and had to do a, uh, Oh, it must've been for the New York marathon in 2010. So we had a 20 mile training run on a hall of fame induction day and running all through Cooperstown and outside of Cooperstown. And they were playing golf, the hall of famers, cause they play golf as part of the weekend. It's one of the ways to get them all to come although they'd come anyway because it's so cool. The adulation, seeing all their friends who they get to see once a year. And you run into people while running. The Hall of Fame in Cooperstown is the coolest Hall of Fame. I love seeing the Stanley Cup in Toronto, but the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, when you see all of the history that is baseball, you look at the plaques in the plaque room, you look at the names of these players who you loved as a child, who you respected as an adult for what they did on the field. And yesterday, four new plaques were added to the plaque room. Marvin Miller, if you've never heard of him and you love unions and you love players, then you should have heard of Marvin Miller. Marvin Miller is the man who basically negotiated the first ever collective bargaining agreement. He was introduced by Donald Fear, who ran the players union for the first nine years or 10 years of my career. He is a interesting, smart man who was extremely frustrating to work with. On the dais was Bud Selig, the commissioner, during many of my years in baseball. Those two men are mortal enemies watching them on stage. They sat separately. It was pretty interesting. And just the feeling of 
watching the speeches, Ted Simmons, a catcher, 1982 with the St. Louis Cardinals, World Series champion St. Louis Cardinals. He looked very much like uh, like an older baseball player. He had a very nice speech, but I was really much more focused and anticipating Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter has made it to the Hall of Fame. And I feel like on nothing personal, I have to explain a few things to, to the listeners because some of you may believe that I don't like Derek Jeter as a baseball player, and you would be totally incorrect. I don't like Derek Jeter as a person because I know him. I know how phony he is. I know how disingenuous he is. I know how clueless he is. But as a baseball player, you want to talk about the desire to win. I touched on this on Levitard's Local Hour without Levitard on Thursday, September 9th, today or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this or yesterday. And Michael Jordan was at the induction ceremony with Patrick Ewing. Michael Jordan is a tiny little owner of the Marlins where uh, he joined Jeter's group thinking that that would add some cachet. It really didn't matter. Jeter doesn't do anything. He shows up in the suite once in a while, but it's not really an active owner. Jeter and Jordan are the two greatest winners of all time with Tom Brady belonging on that Mount Rushmore as well. But the will of Jeter and Jordan to win is awe-inspiring. Jeter's not the greatest of all time in baseball, not even close. Jordan is the greatest of all time in basketball, not even close. But the reality of their winning sort of um, the focus they had on winning and their need to win, their insatiable desire to win. Did you hear in Derek Jeter's acceptance speech when he actually was quoted as saying, I want to thank the baseball writers, all but one of you who voted for me. Jeter was one vote short of being a unanimous selection. That was for the first time Mariano Rivera was unanimous selection. His teammate for those Yankee titles, the closer, the unbelievable closer. When he was introduced by the Hall of Fame as to to get on stage, I was reminded that Mariano Rivera had a lifetime playoff ERA below one, like 0.7. And it's not like he pitched in one playoff game and had a good game. This can't be right, Coca. And I should have checked it before the show, and I apologize. I think Mariano Rivera may have 158 postseason innings. And to have a 0.7 ERA and 158 innings in the postseason is actually insane. I think it's even more insane if I have that, if the numbers are right and they're in my head. But in any case, so Jeter was a winner. But what I liked more about Jeter was watching him lose because, of course, he was on the Yankees in 03 when we beat them. And I remember looking at him in the dugout. I remember seeing him pregame. And I remember being focused on how badly I wanted to win and how badly I wanted to beat the Yankees, who had lost the World Series two years earlier in 01 on a walk-off by Luis Gonzalez and the Diamondbacks, how the Yankees had not even made it to the World Series in 02 and then made it back in 03. And they expected with Joe Torre to win. And when... The Marlins beat Jeter. I knew that he was angry about it. 
and he was still angry when he was negotiating to buy the team. It still stung that he had lost that World Series. He didn't want to talk about it. And so naturally, I wore my World Series ring to several of our meetings to remind him of the victory. But I was watching his acceptance speech, and it was noticeable to me, very noticeable to me, that during the course of his speech, not only was he wearing a beard, which he was never allowed to wear during his time with the Yankees, which made me smile, but he didn't mention the Marlins one time. Now, you'll say to me, he's in the Hall of Fame because of his career as a Yankee. If he were doing anything else in his career, I understand why you don't need to mention that. But when you are now the owner and CEO, the minority owner and CEO of a new baseball team, I think you got to somehow work that into the speech, the segue of what it's like to have been a player and now an executive, a line or two for the person who wrote his speech because someone wrote a speech. You have to incorporate that part of his life. They did a good job of thanking people and honoring his family and his wife and kids. Two daughters, they honored his father who was there, his idol. But again, the Hall of Fame and the speech, there's an opportunity to effectuate change. And Ted Simmons in his speech did a good job of putting historical context in not just his career, but the moment. And I don't believe Jeter did any of that. And I wanted more. At the end, he mentioned that don't forget the fans. Don't take your career for granted. Work hard. I get that. But he is such a thought leader now. And people look to see what he thinks. He's the one who made a comment. When the All-Star game was taken out of Georgia and put into Colorado, he released a statement about that. And the platform that he had when he was Derek Jeter giving a Hall of Fame acceptance speech, you got to use that platform better. The other thing that I want to mention about the Hall of Fame are three words that came up from the head of the Hall of Fame, Jane Forbes Clark. The erstwhile president was there, Jeff Idelson. There's a new president, former Diamondbacks executive named Josh, not Josh Burns. Jane Forbes was clear when she was describing the Hall of Famers being inducted. Larry Walker, former Expo, Ted Simmons, Derek Jeter. She used the word character. She used the word integrity. And she used the word sportsmanship. Talking about players, their character, their integrity, their sportsmanship has led them into the hallowed halls of Cooperstown. And I couldn't help but smile thinking about next year. Next year is the final year of eligibility for Alex Rodriguez. Uh, for, uh, excuse me, for Kurt Schilling. You've got Alex Rodriguez. You've got Roger Clemens on the ballot. You've got David Ortiz joining the ballot. 
I wonder where she stands on the character and integrity of cheaters. Of those who take steroids, among other things. There are some players who are in the Hall of Fame who very likely did steroids. So I wonder whether it is player specific, because if that's the case, then Big Poppy is going to get into the Hall of Fame immediately, right? Not unanimously, no chance, but is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Is there a chance that Bonds and Clemens can climb from 61% to the required 75% of all writers? What will Jane Forbes Clark say next year if she is standing next to a steroider? Can't talk about character integrity and sportsmanship, can you? We'll see what happens at the end, but it's something to watch. Okay, we're going to actually take an early break today. I want to come back and I want to review a movie that I loved. Coke and I rarely like the same movies. We both love this movie. And we're going to get to a conversation because football season starts tonight, September 9th. We have to talk about the NFL. We have to give you some predictions. We have to talk about some quarterbacks who are talking more than they're playing. And we have to talk about our favorite Washington football team. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. We're growing. Follow us on Twitter, Nothing Personal. No, that's not my Twitter. Edit that, Coca. Wipe it. Wipe it clean. 80, 70, 69. Welcome back to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. You can follow us on Twitter at David P. Sampson. You can rate, review on Apple. Please do. You can follow on Spotify. Subscribe whatever the words are, and tell a friend, just tell one person to give nothing personal a shot. Part of what we do is we watch a movie every day. I do watch one every day. I told you I was going to watch Vacation Friends, and I did. Do you think John Cena is the headliner of Vacation Friends? Has he ever been? A, has he ever headlined a movie before? He's in the movie with Lil Rel, and they play, Lil Rel plays the straight man to John Senna's sort of kooky guy going on vacation, trying to ask his woman to marry him, and everything goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. Did I not say John Cena? What did I say? Did I say John Senna, like the movie Senna? All right. It's John Cena. Sorry, Dwayne. It's Dwayne the Rock Cena. I don't really know how all these wrestlers become actors, but John, hold on. You, you deleted it, Coca. You have to say it again. Say it again. Cena. <laughs> when I get a name wrong, you can't just say it once in the ear. You put it on the document the way I'm supposed to say it. Don't delete it because then I'm going to get it wrong. Like Tsitsi Kiss, the tennis player that I kept getting wrong, that lost. So I don't have to worry about saying his name again for a while. 
the 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 Greek man. Anyway, John Cena is this sort of crazy guy who's on a vacation in somewhere at a resort somewhere. In comes Lil Rel with his soon to be fiance, and it is the usual hijinks as two opposites become friends because they're always in the wrong place at the wrong time together. They get into all this trouble. They're into this spiritual, crazy stuff. They're into drugs. They're into alcohol. Suffice it to say, at a time when movie reviews are about to get more serious as we get to the 20th anniversary of 9-11, at a time when I'm watching more and more documentaries and more and more true story movies, Vacation Friends was the perfect antidote to the blues clues, an antidote to when you're feeling a little down in the dumps, you put on John Cena and you say, wow, that guy's got some biceps. He shows his biceps off the entire movie. And all I did while I was eating candy corn spice drops, good and plenty, black licorice, jelly beans, along with cinnamon jelly beans, with some nonpareils, and some cheese and crackers and a little bit of skinny pop so I can make myself feel better. I'm looking at Cena and I'm saying, is he on the juice? Because how do you get a vein to go over your bicep? I just don't know how to do that. Vacation friends, well worth your time. Well, what's also worth your time is to listen to this next segment. And I'm taking that for granted. I'm making an assumption and presuming which I shouldn't do. I'm sorry. I would like you to listen to this next segment because I believe this may be the single greatest example of a player trying to be an executive and by the very nature of his words showing that he will never be an executive. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Thank you. It's from the movie Half-Baked, character named Samson. Everyone wants to talk to him. You get to talk to me by just following me on Twitter, David P. Samson. Ask around. I respond to more DMs than most. Not all of them, but more than most. Here's the question today. Should the Pittsburgh Steelers pay T.J. Watt, whatever it takes, as Ben Roethlisberger suggests. Thank you for that straightforward question. When I watched Ben, I'm just going to call him Big Ben because I think I'm saying his last name wrong. I'm going to say one more time, Roethlisberger. And if I'm wrong, then forget it. But that's who we're talking about. The longtime quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Super Bowl winning quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The I'm no longer as good as I used to be quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The I'm back because I was hurt, but now I'm better. So everything's okay. Quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The I took a $5 million pay cut because I am such a good guy. Quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The why aren't you using my huge $5 million pay cut and $20 million cap savings on my teammates, quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The I'm the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So when I say to do something, I expect you're going to do it. Quarterback 
of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben took the microphone last night, yesterday afternoon. I don't remember when it was. Could have been any time, actually, yesterday. And he said, I think T.J. Watt should get whatever the heck he wants. He's arguably the best football player in the game right now, not just on defense, but in general. One of the reasons I took less money was for guys like him to get paid, and he needs to get paid. He deserves every penny that he wants and asks for. T.J. Watt is that guy. That's who should get whatever he wants. Do you know what I'm doing? If I am the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I am starting to work on a contract right now with Ben because I want him to be the new John Elway of the Steelers. I want him to take over all of player personnel. I want him to negotiate all contracts and be my cap expert because I get it. When someone is the top in their position, you got to pay whatever he asks for. When you are arguably the best player in the game and under everybody's list, he's top six, top nine, likely the second best defensive player to Aaron Donald currently in the game. Still the brother to J.J. Watt, the erstwhile best defensive player in the game. Now on the Cardinals, if you lost track of him because the Texans wanted to get rid of him after signing him to a huge deal. The Pittsburgh Steelers, through the way they are run, do not love giving guaranteed money because when they do, it tends to bite every team in the Tuchus. But now the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have not won and who are not expected to win this year, and as a matter of fact, I have a wait to see that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not even going to make the playoffs this year. But the Pittsburgh Steelers front office is way too smart to fall prey to what is now a disease in the National Football League. It is a player empowerment disease that has moved from the NBA onto the NFL, which means look out. Commissioner Manfred, it's coming your way soon to a negotiating table near you. I've got a very strong arm. I can throw the ball 60 yards on a dime and hit that player who's running at 10 miles per hour. Therefore, I have full understanding of the salary cap and I can tell you how to build a team. You better listen to me. My name's David Sampson. I have an amazing skill that I can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a side of French toast and an omelet. You better look out, Le Bernardin, because I'm coming to be your chef. That's the equivalent of a Super Bowl winning quarterback saying that he knows how to run a team or that he knows whether or not and how much a player should get signed. The equivalent is me going from an omelet to being a chef at a Michelin restaurant. It's laughable. It doesn't matter that he's arguably the best player. Should the Steelers pay him whatever it takes? Absolutely not. Actually, I'm going to change my entire answer. I just thought of a way better answer. If you are a fan, who are they competing with? Coca in their division right now, please. I've lost track of the divisions in the NFL. How could you not? I want to say it's the Ravens and the Browns, but I'm likely wrong because I can't remember what the divisions are. But if you are, it is. Thank you. If you 
are a fan of the Ravens, the way Coco, who's an absolute diehard Ravens fan, super excited to see what Lamar Jackson does this year, whether he can win the MVP, super despondent that they're first and third string running back and whatever they're out for the season, blah, blah, blah. If you're a fan of the Ravens and the Browns, you want the Steelers to pay TJ Watt, whatever it takes. You want the Pittsburgh Steelers to listen to Ben, their quarterback, because it gives you a better chance of keeping the Steelers down and of winning your division. There is no executive that pays attention to what a player says. The Packers are pretending to pay attention to what Aaron Rodgers says, but they're not. The Steelers are not even trying to pay attention to what Ben is saying. But for whatever reason, we as fans and members of the media feel the need to congratulate T.J. Watt. Literally, he was congratulated by members of the media and on Twitter for attending practice. T.J. Watt in the middle of contract negotiations to extend his contract, who has one year left on his guaranteed rookie deal where he's in his fifth year, blessed the Steelers with his presence at practice. I genuflect in your general direction, TJ Watt, because you went to practice. He's under contract. That's your job. I don't want to be applauded for showing up to doing my job and then doing my job well. I want to be applauded when what I do for a living helps change you, helps educate you, helps you see things from a different point of view. Don't just thank me for recording nothing personal or thank Coca for producing nothing personal or for showing up when it's our job. Thank us when we make a difference in your life. Thank TJ Watt when he leads the Pittsburgh defense deep into the playoffs. And then you can negotiate and pay him more money than other teams will offer him and keep him a stealer if you're so inclined. Or you can pretend the Pittsburgh Steelers are the Tampa Bay Rays and hope that you're right and let players go when they are past their prime, even though TJ is only 26. Let them go when the player is going to be overpaid, which it's likely TJ would and could be even in a salary cap system. Because letting one of your best homegrown, and I don't know if TJ Watt's homegrown, but a rookie deal, so he was drafted by them. I guess that's the same as a homegrown player in Tampa. But letting go of a player because you believe you've taken all the value from that player that you're going to get and the next deal will not provide you value makes you good at your job, not bad at your job. Should the Steelers pay TJ Watt? Absolutely not. The Washington Redskins are starting their season this weekend. It's a big deal. Whoop, 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 wipe it. Eight, six, nine. The Washington football team will be starting their season this weekend under the leadership of Tanya Snyder. Tanya Snyder, related to Daniel Snyder, the owner, Remember from a previous Nothing Personal, I don't remember what episode it was, even though we're now numbering our episodes, which I voted against, but Coca voted for, and the tie was broken by Coca's alter ego. The Washington football team named Tanya Snyder in, as the in-charge CEO. 
Daniel Snyder was taking a step back. Remember all the investigations that went into the team? Do you remember all the misogyny and the sexual harassment and the horrific workplace conditions that the Washington football team had? Well, Tanya Snyder spoke to the media, and my God, the Washington red team, they just are the gift that keeps on giving. They are the Mets of the National Football League. When you meet the media as the president of a team or the CEO of a team, and you are new at meeting the media, you've got to have what we call media training. Media training is when you are given mock questions and answers. You workshop some of your answers to questions you know you're going to be asked in a scrum, which is a informal press conference when a bunch of people come up to you with cameras and microphones or an actual press conference where people are seated and it's run by a PR person who will call on people to answer questions. Or when you're going to go on a podcast and answer questions, you've got to workshop answers to questions that you know that are going to come. So what we do for our owners, we would come up with a list of questions that he would be asked. My PR guy would come up with a list of questions I'd be asked. I'd read sort of the Q, read the A, and just have an idea where I wanted to make sure my brain was, knowing that my mouth was certainly going to be behind my brain. So if I had answers in my head, then they would come out through my mouth and everything would be okay. And any headlines I was going to create, I was going to create purposefully. What are the questions that you think Tanya Snyder would be asked? I'm just throwing it out there, asking a very quick question. What are the questions that you think Tanya Snyder would be asked if you were training her? Number one, what changes have you made since taking over operation of the team Number two, how much input does Dan, your husband, still have in the operation of the team? Number three, can you react to the $10 million fine that you were given by the National Football League? Number four, what can you say to the fans of your team who are women of the concrete steps that you have taken? Number five, Tell me about the difficulty and the challenges in taking over the Nationals during uh, the Nationals. That's funny. During the football team during this period. Let's start with those as possible questions. She got asked every single one of them. And she talked about in answering those questions, the difficulty that she and Dan have had in the past year. Forget the victims of workplace harassment and sexual harassment. Forget the cheerleaders who were completely exploited. Forget the people who were impacted by the racist nature of their name. But she led off with, it's been one of the most difficult years in mine, Dan, and my family's lives. <laughs> she mentioned how happy they were to be 100% owners of the team, but neglected to mention that the limited partners they had didn't want to be associated with their family anymore. Remember when FedEx said, get me out of this investment. 
Red Smith, the chair of FedEx, said, I don't want to be anywhere near. And by the way, if you don't change the name of your team, we're not going to let it be called FedEx Field anymore. She said, I want to tell you that today I know we're doing everything possible and where we've ended up and where we're heading. I couldn't be more excited. After the nightmare that they lived through. She went on to talk about the pain, the tough times that they've gone through, and then blamed it on the media. Rule number one, eh, rule number three. Rule number one is don't say the F word. I don't know why that's a rule, but it's just rule number one. Rule number three, don't fight with people who buy ink by the barrel. Do not blame the media for your struggles. That would be like me meeting the media and saying, man, we couldn't get the stadium built until 2012 when we wanted to get it done in 2006. And the reason we couldn't is because of all the negative articles written in the paper about me. That'd be laughable. We didn't make the playoffs after 2003 because of the media and their negative articles about our team. Tanya Snyder blamed the media. Everyone's going to say whatever she said. I guess when you don't have a voice out there, people can say whatever. And that has been the case. There was a void because when Daniel Snyder spoke, he lied. He was disingenuous and he was not believable. When Tanya Snyder was hired, where was the media? Where was meeting the press and explaining why and explaining how the transfer of power was going to work to appease not just the National Football League, but all of the fans who recognized what an absolute power hungry, egomaniacal, misogynist Dan Snyder actually is and the environment that he created. When given a chance to right a wrong, Tanya made the wrong worse. And the irony of making it worse is that now it's brought it all up again. And that is another violation of the rules of PR. When there's a negative story, snip it. Snip it like you're eight days old and Jewish. Snip it. Cut its legs off. She let the damn things grow back like Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool with his limbs. They're growing back just a little. They're little nubs right now growing back because she is still not taking responsibility and they're going to grow back to be full size. She had every opportunity to change the narrative around her team. Now they're trying to distract you with saying, hey, we've gotten it down to eight names for the new team. Let's get excited. We're going to make this huge announcement. So many of you out there still think it's going to be called WFT. Ha! We've spent two years studying this and we believe that the name we chose overnight by force two years ago without any thought or focus groups, we nailed it. By the way, that's a perfect Daniel Snyder and Tanya Snyder thing to say. That's ego in a bottle. Ego in a bottle. I was thinking about Sting all day because I just watched him in an episode of the new Hulu series called Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Sting, who's now acting, who looks terrific. He's got to be in his 60s by now, looks terrific and had some funny scenes in that show. I don't know why I just thought of Sting. I was singing Message in a Bottle, but I don't know why I was talking about a bottle. 
I just went on a detour about Sting, and I don't know a message in a bottle. Does that spark the memory at all? Does that spark you, Coke, at all? Message in a bottle. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to move on then. NFL season starts tonight. Yes, it does. I'm excited. I really do like the NFL. I like watching games. It used to be games are on Sunday. Now they're on Friday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, every day of the week. It's more sad when there's not a football game. Tonight, they've got the World Series. No, they do not. Eight, six, nine. Tonight, the National Football League begins with the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the haven't been a Super Bowl champion in so long they can't remember how long it's been Dallas Cowboys. It's great that the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers are on the Thursday night game. It's great that the season's starting. And how many of you think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to repeat? I'm just curious. When is the last team to repeat as Super Bowl champions? It's got to be the New England Patriots. We're going for three in a row, I think, when David Tyree made that catch on his helmet and the Giants beat them. I don't have a list in front of me, so I could be wrong. I think the Patriots are the last team to repeat. Tom Brady, who is as competitive as Jordan and Jeter, as a win big a winning player as Jordan and Jeter, a goat like Jordan, he knows exactly what he wants to do this season. And he is one of the few players that I can assure you wants it worse this year than he wanted it last year. And I thought last year was the tip of the iceberg. There's all this stuff going on below the surface with Tom Brady, like an iceberg. But right at the tip, he wanted to leave New England after the breakup with Bill and Robert Belichick and Kraft, respectively. And he wanted to win the Super Bowl at his home stadium in Tampa. And so you think after that's done, that that's it, he's done. How do you possibly get motivated again? And that's because it should be of no surprise to you that the thought of Tom Brady winning back-to-back -back with Tampa after winning back-to-back -back with New England and showing that last year's not a fluke and showing that you can be 57 years old, the age of George Blanda, and still win a Super Bowl, that's an old, old reference for you folks out there. George Blanda, GTS, Google that. Shite. He was pretty old when he played right at the end. Repeating is too hard, though. I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to do three wait to sees right now. Wait to see is when we say something's going to happen and then it doesn't. Or it does. I like revisiting wait to sees. It makes me feel good when I get them right. It makes me feel good when I get them wrong. The reason why I revisit, and if you are a veteran of nothing personal, say it with me, I don't want to be the ordinary gas bag who gets listened to on sports shows or on other sports podcasts who give you hot takes and just sit around going hot take after hot take. And when they're wrong, they're, no one follows up. They don't follow up. Why would I ever want to admit I'm wrong? I love admitting that I'm wrong but I'm going to take a position. That's really what nothing personal is. I'm taking a position by telling you both sides of a position. And then you decide for yourself where you stand. You know where I stand, for example, on the Texas 
law, the new Texas abortion law. I'm not telling you where to stand. I'm just telling you, here's the two sides. Here's the results of what's going to happen. Well, I got some NFL wait to season. I'm going to start with the easiest one of all time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not repeat as Super Bowl champions. Book it. Wait to see. It's simply too hard. Even the Tom Brady factor still makes it too hard. Now, who are the Buccaneers playing? They're taking the Cowboys. Yes, they are. I marvel at the Dallas Cowboys. They just, did you see on Twitter? They are a money machine. Forbes came out that they're worth over $6 billion, the number one ranked, the number one valued NFL team. You know my view of Forbes. It's absolute horse hockey. They don't know one thing about the value of a team, except when they say the Marlins are now worth less than what Jeter paid for them. Those Forbes people know exactly what they're talking about. The Dallas Cowboys print money. They just opened up a new section at AT&T Field, which is a money-making machine. The new section has like beer gardens. They'll have watch parties. They built it in like a parking lot. I think they spent 80 large on it. And believe me, Jerry Jones doesn't spend a dollar where he's not going to get an ROI return on investment, except when it comes to players. The Cowboys may be favored to win the NFC least, which is cousins to the NL least in baseball. But it's going to be another tough year for the Cowboys. My friend Mike McCarthy, former coach of the Green Bay Packers, is going to have a hard time surviving another year in Dallas because it will be his second year in a row without making the playoffs. That's not very good. The third wait to see of the NFL season. Get ready. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Aaron Rodgers. He will not marry Shalene Woodley. <laughs> That's not my way to see. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Although, would you be shocked if they didn't actually get married? I wouldn't. How about that? Is it, I don't want to make it personal. It's not personal. So it has nothing to do with who he's going to marry. But I'll tell you what he is going to do this year. Take the odds. Get paid. Aaron Rodgers is going to win back-to-back MVPs. Aaron Rodgers is going to crush the regular season. He is going to show all of you Packer fans that him having more say in personnel, him having the keys to the castle, and he's going to return that leap of faith, which I think is not actually happening, but he's going to return that leap of faith, and he's going to repeat his MVP. And that'll be super cool. Has Tom Brady ever won back-to-back MVPs? Out of curiosity, Coke, are you aware of that fact or not? I don't think Aaron Rodgers has won back-to-back. He's won it twice or three times, maybe just twice. Definitely not back-to-back. I would think Brady probably has won back-to-back MVPs. Has Mahomes? Has Roger Staubach? Anyway, those are through. Peyton Manning, that'd be a good one. Peyton Manning has won back-to-backs. Oh, so is his teammate, Brett Favrabin. Aaron Rodgers will repeat. Okay. Brett Favre won three straight. Are you saying, hold on, I got to clear my ear. What did you say? 
Brett Favre won three straight MVPs for the Packers. Now Rodgers has won one. And you know that Rodgers and Favre are major competitors. You know that Favre doesn't want love. I mean, that Rodgers doesn't want love to have any snaps this year. Hmm. I love that pick. Three way to seize. Bucks don't repeat. Cowboys miss the playoffs. And Rodgers repeats as MVP. Nothing personal pick of the day. What happened? You Darvish pitched well. The Padres pounded the Angels. I thought the Angels were going to do it because Darvish has been so horse crap for so many starts in a row. We're down to 113 and 96. They were the dog. I got two picks for you today. We're going two. Let's give you a baseball game first. The Marlins won on the day that Jeter was brought into the Hall of Fame. They won on a walk-off in the 10th inning against the New York Mets. The New York Mets are in trouble. They are in serious trouble. The good news for the Mets is that they're playing the Marlins again, and the Marlins are going with Luzardo as the pitcher. Luzardo, the former A, who you all told me because Marlin fans seem to think that I have it in for them, that Luzardo was a top-of-the-rotation guy, and I said, no, he's a bottom-of-the-rotation guy at best. He's pitched like it. He's going again for the Marlins. The Marlins were good to get him for Starling Marte because they weren't going to re-sign him. So I had no problem with that trade, but I just wanted you to manage your expectations. The Mets will beat the Marlins tonight. But the second pick is the football game. You got the Bucks and Cowboys playing. The Bucks are favored by eight and a hook. It seems like, how do you not take the Bucks Super Bowl champions eight and a half? I have found that when things look too good to be true, they often are. I hate the fact that we're going to have to take the eight and a half and root for the Cowboys against the Buccaneers, although it's not hard to root against the Buccaneers. That said, eight and a half just seems a little heavy. Cowboys plus eight and a half versus Buccaneers. Mets over the Marlins. That's the Thursday show. Did you catch it all? Just hit pause, rewind, and start again if you haven't. And when you get to the end, where we are now, you know what you're going to hear? It's just business. It's nothing personal.